three, four. Me and my friends do sinister things, and that's because we're cynical beings, and we're living in a house, and we're chilling upstairs, and we're doing a podcast impaired. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Impaired Upstairs podcast. It's so nice to have you. <laughs> Who do we have this week for our guest? Well, uh, we have Abigail Fishman. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is fun. So good to meet you, Abby. Yeah, great meeting you too. Um, so, Abigail. Yeah. What's got you excited lately? Um, I would have to go with the weather being nice again. I oh, know that yeah. that's like Agreed. a it's a lame one, but it's feels like summer. Yeah. You know? I mean, so I was having a conversation about that with my coworker a little bit earlier like a couple weeks ago and he was like oh man the weather's getting nice but i'm waiting for that june rain to kick back in and i'm hoping that maybe we're past that at this point i suppose we'll see but once we hit july 4th i feel like it's more home clear yeah for sure for sure but I, i was looking at the forecast and like at least for the next 10 days supposedly it's supposed to be sunny but we'll see i'll uh, take it who knows yeah it seems like we already we had a bunch of rain a couple weeks ago so hopefully that's a big part of it out of the way mm-hmm. but it's crazy how much the weather can change your mood oh yeah totally like a huge deal i'm like ready to go out and do things and like yeah plus do, do you all ever find yourselves with seasonal depression <laughs> yes i mean <laughs> when yeah. the days get short yeah mm-hmm. exactly no vitamin d no and it's just that among other things it's just not able to do as much outside like you get home from work and it's already dark it's like well what i do other than sit inside and not do anything productive or it's rough can really get to you yeah um so uh let's let's talk about the drink of the week drink of the week is westland uh sherry wood single malt whiskey uh it's quite tasty let's see we have one of these so one of these... One of them is a cognac? Yes, this one's a cognac. Um, and I can tell just by the color and the fact that more people have drank out of it. Because, I mean, con- cognac is a little bit more approachable, I feel like. I agree. Than whiskey. Um, but so the this this right here should be the sherry wood. Um, it's quite delectable. It's, I think it's, uh, it's not quite as approachable as like a bourbon or something, uh, for like new whiskey drinkers. Um, but if you're looking to get into something that's just a little bit more of a, of a classic whiskey taste and it's, uh, it's not, it's not quite as sweet, definitely a little bit more like spice to it, even though it's all barley, um, a hundred percent barley, um, but yeah, it's it's just uh, it's, it's tasty. It's tasty. And what does the grain make up in something like a cognac? Uh, cognac is made from grapes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Isn't sherry also made from grapes? Isn't sherry like a distilled wine? Uh, fortified Fort- wine. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I think the deal with sherry is that it's uh it's wine and then they add spirits on top of the wine to like bring up the abv and then maybe some like sugar in there too uh yeah interesting yeah yeah um and then there was there was so we have three varieties from this particular distillery yeah so these uh there's also a peated whiskey um and that is a lot more similar to like a like a smoky scotch type thing yeah it's definitely um, got some it's got some some spice to it some character yeah it's it's very some smoky. authority it's like a 
kind of like uh campfire taste a little bit um i i don't know it it's not quite as it's definitely like the least ap- approachable of the bunch if you're not used to it there's a um, lot going on in there yeah a lot of people are not big fans but i i i kind of dig it uh, personally but i like really like strong powerful flavors um so so out of the yeah. three you'd say the sherry wood is probably your favorite no i like the peated gotcha i like the peated um but but it's not the drink of the week but it's not the drink of the week so what are you gonna do i mean we can set for a couple weeks then (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) exactly um and actually we also have uh shilling hard cider up here excelsior imperial apple um quite good i haven't i haven't cracked it open yet you guys it's good quite good yeah i love shilling ciders and the i hadn't had the this particular one yet but I've eyeballed it for a while. It's good. Okay. okay. 8.5% too. Yeah. So it's a little, uh, it, it, yeah. It'll get the point across. That's high. Yeah. That's like a strong IPA. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's like high for an IPA. They're even, not, so. the ciders aren't normally that high, are they? I feel like not. Some of the, I think some of the craft ones get up there. Yeah, sh- for sure. For sure. It, and a lot of that depends on which, um, which strain of yeast you're u- using. So the when you're brewing yeast will naturally die at a certain uh alcohol content because it just can't survive anymore you know wouldn't we all yeah i mean essentially the ethanol is their excrement so it's like they eventually they're just (laughs) swimming in their own excrement and they're you know they can only handle that for so long before it's game over (laughs) um so, but different... Sounds like a great time. Different strains of yeast can survive different uh, alcohol contents. And, like, the very the very early ones, before they really started, like, cultivating yeasts, you know, they could only survive to, like, 2 or 3%. And so, like, the, the early wines and uh, beers that people were drinking, like, think back, you know, a couple thousand years ago, mm-hmm. it, it was much weaker than what we experienced today but it still did good at killing bacteria and whatnot so it's safer to drink uh now yeah. do the ciders go through here's where i'm a little confused aren't the ciders just cider with alcohol added no or it's its own it's its own brewing process right yeah so it's it's brewed similarly i don't know if you heard that but that was my uh cider opening let me get a little taste cider crack asmr <laughs> oh it's pretty sweet it's not. It's it's um, like a good mix of dry and sweet. It's very appley. Yeah, very Hence the appley. Heirloom cider. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, it's just basically you get a bunch of apples. Uh, you throw it in a vat and then put yeast and water in there, and you probably you can just do like straight up apple juice instead of adding water. I don't know what exactly the process most yeah, cider makers right. use. Um. Yeah, so so it, then it's brewed after that, like kind of like a beer, where you've just got your your bat and your uh, your yeast, and the yeast grows and eventually dies, and yeah, yeah, you get a beer in the end. Yeah, and then in this case, you get a cider. Absolutely, um, Abby. What is your what is your favorite alcoholic beverage? Ooh, hard to pick one. I have a couple favorite. Well, I have a favorite cider. Um, and it's local, semi-local, um, pretty local. Uh, the Finn River Black Currant, 
They're in Chimicum. Okay. Super. Oh, that's quite local. Yeah. Um, and drove it, past them on my way in. It's a black currant like wine. It's a black currant cider. Cider. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay. So so it's actually like mixed with apples, and then or do they just do? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know, but it, okay. you're mostly tasting the black currant. You're not getting like a super apple-y gotcha. situation. Okay. So maybe if they do use apples, it's more of a mild apple. And then, that yeah. That would be my guess. I, hmm, it might just be black currant, but that would be that's a, a lot very of black expensive yeah. process. So maybe not. Right. So yeah. That's a good question. I'll have to look later. Yeah. Because um, they, could, they could just be using like the apples for like a sugar base to give the yeast something mm. to eat and then mm. use the currant as more of a flavoring type situation. Right. But, and they're yeah. quite flavorful. So you wouldn't need right. like 100% currant. That yeah. would be wild. I yeah. It'd <laughs> be like pomegranate juice. For sure. For sure. Um, so that's up there. I don't know if either of you are familiar with the Lindemann's Lambic beers. No, no, they're oh. quite fun. I don't even know Lambic. those words. Yeah, <laughs> what is that? Um, oh, I'm gonna embarrass myself because, unlike Brady, I don't really have a lot of like process uh, understanding behind these no these beverages that I enjoy. But they're very delicious. So they they are these like fruit beers. Um, so they they do have that kind of like slight hoppy okay under under note um they still taste like a beer a little bit um but they're pretty fruity um which i mean you know it's not necessarily like an everyday thing but they have like a peach one and they have they have a black currant as well that i recommend and they have a strawberry and a cherry that are all very good i'm not in love with their raspberry but they're quite fun and they the bottles almost look like champagne bottles. They have like the foil and the cork and the oh, metal thing. Wow, fancy. Yeah. I I've seen the peach one at Safeway. Hmm. Are they particularly bitter or mostly on the sweet side? Definitely mostly on the sweet side. Okay. And they have that little like under under note, but Gotcha. But they're pretty they're pretty sugary, like Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Approachable. Very. Extremely. <laughs> Right on. But you probably wouldn't want to drink like four of them like you might with an IPA. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Because that would just be excessive. Very, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It would be pretty heavy. But I mean, even four IPAs, that's like. That's yeah, rookie that, that was a high number. I'm sorry. I should have said like a core. <laughs> Two. I don't know. Yeah, you're good. Um, band of the week? Band of the week? Did we decide on Interpol? Yeah, I think so. Our band of the week is Interpol. They are a alternative rock group from New York City, and they released, I mean, I should probably know more about them, but they released their most popular album, Turn on the Bright Lights, back in 2002, I believe, 2001, oh, okay. two, three area. Super influential group. They were a big influence towards The Killers, another great New York band. Oh, yeah. It's it's crazy. They sound almost identical they sometimes. Do. They totally do. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of influence um, from... Interpol, Interpol onto yeah. onto the killers. And you were saying that even the killers had mentioned that they're listening to a lot of Interpol before one of their albums? Yeah, there's a really uh the killers did this cover of this Interpol song Obstacle One. It's on YouTube and they're like, Oh yeah, this album was playing on repeat when we wrote Hot Fuzz. So they're very, very inspired by Interpol. Uh I guess the way that I would describe that band is it's kind of like it's like a gothic kind of alternative rock. It's not like 
like emo gothic but it's yeah um like lots of minor chords like like minor notes mm-hmm. um kind of mysterious sounding it gives you like dark city vibes and it, it's also but it's it's still very very heartfelt and emotional lyrics it's almost like a transition away from grunge what is that like, perhaps like like it's it's more poppy than grunge but it's still like it's still got a lot of like deepness and darkness to it it's hard to say because although grunge was it seems like grunge is mostly kind of regional well yeah for sure um they were definitely influenced they have seems like they have grunge influences it's the same kind of like you know slower kind of more like sludgy sounding kind mm-hmm. of kind of rock music i guess yeah because they're definitely not like a metal group it's, it's like alternative rock kind of softer and i wouldn't call them grunge but they definitely have grunge influences i would say yeah sure so yeah def- uh, yeah i guess alternative rock if that's what you're looking for then then check them out yeah interpol's check a great out. group do you have any do, out of the songs that I showed you, do you have any favorites? Well, their classic is Obstacle One, right? Obstacle One. I mean, so that it, that's just like the one that everybody knows. And that's and even if you don't think you know it, you might know it if you listen to it. I actually remember I watched the music video for that song and I was like, oh, I remember seeing this on MTV when I was like four years old. Whoa. I, it, yeah. it reminded because I used to watch MTV with my sister way back then. And I'm like, I've seen this intro to this music video before. Whoa. And I, that's that's where it was from, and it was period correct for when it was released. So, um, no, no, they're they're a great group. Uh, PDA is another great song by them. Obstacle One, Obstacle Two, is also a good song. Isn't it funny when bands have like songs like that where like first obstacle, second obstacle? Yeah. Did, did, no, but there's no obstacle three, is there? There's no obstacle three that I know of. Um, I should probably know that if there's a later album that has obstacle three, because. Turn on the Bright Lights was their debut, it was their first album. Are you guys familiar with the group Arcade Fire? I've heard of them. No, sorry. Arcade Fire, their first album, Funeral, has a neighborhood one, two, and three um, huh. throughout the album. So it's kind of it kind of reminded me of that. Um, yeah, isn't there mm, Confessions Part One and Part Two? Like Ooh. that's like an early R and B kind of song. I can't remember who the artist is. I want to say, mm, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think I know what you're talking about, but I don't mm. know the. I don't it know does the sound artist. familiar. Who's the guy that beat up Beyonce? Oh, not Chris, oh, Brown. Chris Brown. Oh, I think maybe it's a Chris Woke Brown. Up Chris uh, crazy. Okay. I, it might be. So you know, I don't. <laughs> I don't really support. We should remember him after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's what he's known for now. Except for it's crazy, like how. He has still maintained an audience after that. I mean, and I like, feel like he did great in Freaky Friday, and everyone loved oh. it. Well, he yeah, was, it was in there, wasn't he? It was yeah. crazy to see how many like artists collaborated with him. And I was honestly, I was kind of uh, disappointed in Little Dicky for like working with him so closely for that. And I don't know, it's just like he he like. Like if you he look, put a bag stigma on himself for a it, long it was time, bad, right? Like if you look sure. at the pictures of Rihanna after that, it was Dark. not good. Do like, you remember when that really, happened? Really, Very really, really bad. That's like 2008 or something. Wow, was it that long ago? I think so. Oh my god, uh, yeah, 2008, surprised. nine, ten. Yeah, somewhere around there, probably. It's crazy. Yeah, I feel old yet? Yeah. Okay, so if it was only that, like he lost his temper once, then it would be like, okay. But he has like a long history 
of abuse and like I'm actually not fam- I, I, yeah I don't follow I just I mean everyone knew about that right yeah and I haven't really but I watched a video about it and I was like oh okay like I can't ever listen to his songs again because it's just like this is not a good person it's like uh, yeah I don't know pretty horrible yeah it's kind of like listening to black metal after you find out like all of the horrible stuff some of those black metal artists did. What and was that one like, group? Hmm. That one group, you know what I'm talking with the album cover? Oh, yeah. I actually... Hmm. Co- hmm. Cody would know. Yeah. We miss you, Cody. It's not Burzum. It's... Uh, no, it's... it's oh, my gosh. Weird... Cody would be so disappointed in me right now. I know. Uh, the, there's that one do? black metal group with the famous album cover, mm-hmm. the most controversial album cover ever. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we shouldn't get into that. We won't get into that. (laughs) It's pretty dark. If if you Google controversial metal black metal album cover, you'll find you'll find what we're talking about. Yeah, it was a dark one. Yeah, Uh very dark. Very dark. Not not family friendly. It's uh, yeah. There's there's a deceased person involved in the uh, in the artwork. Yeah, it's like they're very dead. Mm-hmm. Like that it's very obvious. Narrow it down. It was one of the band. It was one of the bandmates. Oh. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So like their idea was okay. Like the guy died. He committed suicide. <gasps> yeah. We're kind of we're spelling it out now. Yeah, we're kind of we're <laughs> a little bit. And the other bandmates like went into the apartment or no, house, the house yeah. that he oh, was no. in and they were like because the all the, everything the was yeah everything was locked and then they were oh, like this was a real photo oh it yeah wasn't it's like, real no it was real quite real oh wow yeah i'm surprised i've never heard of this brutal yeah, it's brutal yeah so and, and I, it wasn't i don't think they used it on any of their projects but it was a like solo project later or another band somehow got a hold of the picture i can't remember exactly how how that worked but really anyway. surprised that anyone released that well i they're so they're over in norway so maybe they can get away with oh, some more okay. stuff i don't know yeah. and they were running their own label i believe oh, so then sense. they can just do whatever they want right right um yeah counts it, as art right <laughs> yeah i guess i guess so uh, the rumor was also that they took some like memorable mm, memorabilia from the individual who passed away and turned it into necklaces and no. like everybody in the group got a, a necklace with the guy's uh memorabilia should we say um so yeah all around really bad really dark uh rest in peace dead that was the guy's name dead that that's died. right yeah um it's black metal for you yeah, if you are interested, there's a uh, a documentary. It's very dark. It's called Lords of Chaos, um, and it f- tracks like their the story of the band and like how things went south and like a uh, dead suicide and it's like really brutal and actually interesting. It has, I believe, Macaulay Culkin's brother in it. What? He's he plays like one of the main uh main guys in the band. Interesting. I'll have to watch this. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's a crazy story. It's a crazy story. So alas. 
Um, <laughs> okay, anywhere. Band of the Week is Interpol. <laughs> yeah, that's great group. Check them out. Bring it back. Bring it back up a little bit. You know. Yeah. Yes, so. we will. We will bring things up onto a more productive note. <laughs> Abby, what is it you do for a living? Uh yeah. So I am in accounting. Um, I just left um a position in public accounting uh at, with the audit department of a firm in the Seattle area. So regional firm dealing with a lot of like local you know Seattle area clients and it was a lot of fun got to see a lot of different industries and you know work with a lot of interesting people so it was great but um yeah I've moved on now and just kind of starting a new position are you applying the work experience you got from your last job to this one Ah, interesting question. So they're definitely different positions. If you if you leave like a public accounting position for um, people call them like industry jobs, and that just really means like internal accounting, um, you know, at kind of really any company. Um, it's definitely completely different from like a process perspective. Um, you're you're learning a lot that you wouldn't necessarily have had to do at all in public accounting. So, for example, in in audit you you don't have to um you know be the one kind of posting all of the adjusting journal entries you're not closing the books each month or each quarter so so no in that sense but there's always that kind of like um conceptual technical background that kind of applies across the board to any accounting position i would say so in a sense but but also it's it's a lot of um new material for me definitely Good. It sounds like you're liking your new job. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been fun, and it's um it's interesting to get to kind of see the the other side of things because you you spend a while in public accounting, kind of you know getting all of these small snippets into into other companies, and so it's it's cool to get to kind of actually get into that for yourself, and you know have a more kind of like ongoing project rather than kind of rotating from client to client. For sure. And if you wouldn't mind sharing. Where are you working now, or what does this particular company that you're accounting for do? What do they produce? Yes, it's it's a local whiskey distillery, which Very is cool. super cool. Yeah, uh, H- hence the drink of the week. Yeah, fits, we appreciate the samples. It fit, 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 fits the fits the theme. Yes, <laughs> definitely does. Can't fit it a much falls better. Falls into place fit, now. It, yeah, <laughs> can't fit it much better than that. Or like, I guess like camera gear or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would, that could work out too. It'd be like, hey, can we get a can we get a, a deal or something? I'll yeah. let you know if anyone I know ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. Uh, working networking, somewhere. yeah, networking, exactly. Yeah. So, I'll put the feelers out. <laughs> that'd be good. We would appreciate that. <laughs> so, what was the um? What's the schooling involved for for accounting? What, what was that all like? Yeah. So. Um, I, I went to Western Washington University and I, I just majored in accounting. Um, and from there, once you kind of have an accounting degree, um, you know, you, there's certainly lots of accounting jobs that are kind of open to you. Um, one thing that is a pretty big deal in the industry is at least being eligible to sit for the CPA exam, which is like the certified public accountant exam. So in addition to just having like the accounting degree you also need a certain number of credits just in total um so that makes a lot of people either do a double major or like a fifth year where they maybe get an extra minor or even just get some extra credits because you to simply be eligible to sit for this exam you do need i'm not i think i think it's 250 but don't quote me on that (laughs) i am cpa eligible (laughs) um so so that was that um and then once 
a, a lot of people go straight into public accounting, whether it be tax or audit or you know, something else. Um, Is it easiest to find a job in public accounting? I would say so. I sent this to a friend recently and she wasn't sure that she agreed. I think the reason why it feels that way is because um, a lot of public accounting firms have on-campus presences. Um, So they'll come and recruit actively from, you know, people in their sophomore, junior, senior year. So in that sense, yes. Um, it's more kind of like presented to you, or at least the opportunities are. You can certainly not go into public accounting. I don't. I don't want anyone to think that that's like your only option if that isn't you know what you're interested in. But it is. Um, it is kind of more set up for you systemically, I would say. And it's a great experience just from a kind of you know getting a taste of different different industries, getting to see what you might like to do. Um, and it's a lot of fun. You'd call it a little more entry level than uh, industry accounting? Ooh, hard to say. Um, it definitely is an industry where they happily accept people straight from college, whereas a lot of like industry accounting jobs would... They want to see years of experience. They would and... like to. I mean, everyone would like to, right? Um, mm. Of course. So... I think in that sense, yes, um, it, it's more kind of just like understood across the board that you're going to be getting new associates who are straight out of college. Um, but again, with that said, I mean, there's plenty of, I'm sure, staff accountant jobs where, you know, you could enter straight from college. It's just, I, I really didn't look for those, to be <laughs> honest. I, I knew that I wanted to go into public accounting, so mm-hmm. hard for me to say. It it seems like in prior conversations we've had that maybe the turnover is a little bit higher in public accounting than like an industry job. Like, like, yeah, yeah, you kind of go for a public accounting job, you get that and then use that as like a launching board to like go into something else. Generally speaking, that is a strategy that a lot of people employ. That wasn't, um, I mean, I, I thought maybe I'd do it for, you know, a really long time, uh, when I went into it, but and, and certainly some people do it it's a you know it's an industry where you can keep moving up for many many years and you know spend your whole career there but a lot of people will go get you know a really good kind of introduction to like a wide range of industries and then you know get an offer with ultimately less time that they have to put in and you know good hard to say now Right. Yeah. But that's how the system is. I, I don't want to sound negative about it because it's it's sort of designed for that in a sense. I mean, obviously, lower turnover is better for companies. But, you know, just the, the kind of the pipeline of of getting new people, it it couldn't sustain literally everyone staying. So um, so it's just kind of how it how it goes and how it's been for, you know, many decades before I was before I knew what accounting was. <laughs> Yeah, makes sense. I'm wondering if that maybe plays a part in their like being slightly more. uh, They're a little bit more uh, willing to take on new people just because they're like, okay, well, we got to get we got to get people in the door who can like actually actually know what they're doing. And then the more experienced people might be a little bit less. excited to go work in public accounting (laughs) so so like that uh, that might be true and and i mean i I think it's also definitely the case that like you're not hiring a brand new person straight out of school because you think they're going to know what they're doing immediately you're hiring them mm, because mm -hmm. you know that you know in a year they'll be trained up and be doing great so Mm -hmm. it's it's always about the intent of like well we need more seniors maybe 
Um, so if we hire new people now, we'll have more seniors. You know, it's like planting gotcha. the seeds. So, so yeah, I mean, it's got to get, got to start somewhere. It's, it seems pretty clear to me all of a sudden that there's a relatively strong demand for accountants. Are there, is there anyone that you finished school with that is having trouble finding a job as an accountant? Ah, um, not to my knowledge, but I will, I will qualify that by saying that I only keep in touch with kind of a handful of people, or at least I, I should say I actively keep in touch with only a handful of people. Um, I'd be happy to keep in touch with more. It's, you know, just We all life. know how that goes. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so no, no one that I kind of specifically talked have talked to recently. Um, but you never know. I, but like you said, I think there is a pretty good demand. Certainly if you're looking for public accounting opportunities, there's a lot of firms and a lot of, um, a lot of opportunities and different cultural, you know, fits. So there's kind of something for everyone. Um, I think what people might have, might find to be trickier is just finding like the right combination of, um, you know, room for growth and work-life balance and this that and the other thing that fit their needs versus just like a good job i think that most people are able to find that and it's more just making sure it's quite right for you right the convenience and everything you know being close to home and that kind of thing totally so you mentioned like the the culture and I think a lot of people, when they think about the culture of accounting, they they picture like, <laughs> you know, a gray cubicle in a gray room with like a gray pen and a gray computer. And <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, That's what I picture. Right. Your little 10 key. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, You're like just, very office space. Uh-huh. And people are just like typing and like staring at a screen. And, right. Uh, uh, is that maybe a myth or how, how close to reality <laughs> is that that was definitely not my experience in public accounting whatsoever um i think in an industry like that that does that is so kind of dynamic and nimble and on its toes and always kind of evolving i think you'll find a lot of really personable people um and part of the reason is you know anytime you're like serving clients or in any kind of customer facing position um you're gonna see people who are just kind of naturally you know naturally adept at getting to know people and naturally interested in people and just kind of more vibrant than the, than the stereotype might be. Um, we, I mean, we had cubicles, but, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, the, the office was super cool and like there was beer on tap and, um, you know, people did a lot of fun. There were fun, like team building events and people went to Mariners games and yeah, it definitely wasn't the kind of like super drab, um, environment that you might picture. Which, nothing against that, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's good to hear that we aren't just like locking away our accountants in gray buildings and like <laughs> leaving them to suffer. <laughs> you know, like like there's actually some personality to it aside from totally. just like looking at numbers. Yeah, so that's good. Mm. And you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if like actuaries are the same way. Like, did our act would actuaries be a little bit more like exciting than we give them credit for? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I can't imagine. <laughs> no, that's, that's mean. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think I know any actuaries. I, and neither do I. I feel, so I'm an actuary is someone that like does the statistics for account, uh, not accounting 
insurance firms, right? They're like, okay. See, now that sounds boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you explained so I didn't have to ask. Right. Like, that's what it, that's what an actuary does, right? I think. I'm pretty sure. I th- I, I'm going to take your word for it. You said it very <laughs> it's like a It's like a branch of, an, of accounting. Kind of. Like, they put, like, a number on how many people are going to suffer a certain ailment and then they're like all right well we oh, can so like status static kind of statisticians like, I that's that? what i was thinking yeah, yeah it's like, all kind of just data analytics at the end of the day though you know what right. i mean right yeah hmm a lot of spreadsheets yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah x lookups oh wow you should teach me some of that because i don't know i don't know if it's actually that useful for what i would do but maybe i don't, I don't know i, I feel Go like find ways yeah yeah exactly i think when you learn a tool in excel then you you're like oh, well i'm just gonna use it now you can just like, go out of your way to make use of it yeah you know? exactly <laughs> even if it's not totally necessary you're just like okay well i'm gonna do this now because i can find an excuse to use it yeah yeah, yeah exactly it's like total nerd talk <laughs> pretty much so abby out of all the careers you could have chose you chose accounting What's duty towards that? Ah, um, I think I just sort of fell into it. And what I mean by that is that I was, uh, so I went to college thinking I was going to maybe go into like optometry. Oh, Um, interesting. Right. And, and I think that actually sounds great. Um, but I, I was sort of like my first quarter, not sure about that. And then I, I'd heard some good things about a couple of the other business majors at Western. And so I just started to take like the first of the kind of like prerequisite classes for business majors and the first one I happened to take was the like introductory financial accounting class and there was a really awesome professor teaching it and it just it was like week one or two I was like oh I think this it just clicked for you yeah exactly as I recall you maybe wanted to do a food blog or something oh, like that. Oh, that was many years ago. That's I know, not fair. I know it's food not. Blog. That was a really long he's, time he's ago. He's digging back a full decade into my life. This is... Um, <laughs> I'm cheating. A personal attack. This is I'm harassment. Cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, many years ago, I thought that that would have been great. Um, is that something you're still interested in? Like, in, in like <laughs> your free cool. time? There's nothing wrong with that. No, yeah, exactly. I know. Um, I, the reason why I cringe, and I shouldn't say this out loud, but I think if you really dig, you'll find like seventh grade Abby's like blog that was quickly abandoned that has like two posts maybe, and I don't even want to know what's on there. But but yeah, I think it's probably out there somewhere. That's awesome. Some digging like Tumblr or something. I don't think it would have been Tumblr. I think it would have been Blogspot. Oh. Blogs. Wow. It was a that long brings me back. time ago. I know. So that's highly embarrassing for me. Um, and we, we we will not speak of that. Um, but, I mean, food and, like, baking, definitely still a free time hobby. I just don't think that it would be hard to say because, you know, never say never. But I don't picture myself ever making that into, like, a, a more organized. Like, I wouldn't have a podcast like you do. Yeah, yeah, sure. You'd, you'd never, like, um, yeah, monetize it and, like. I don't think so. I'd be worried that it would take the fun out of it, which is not to say that it necessarily would be that way. It's just that, you know, and it is kind of like an unwinding thing. So I don't want to ever make it a chore. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Although I will say like baking for people is probably my favorite thing to do Mm, because it's, it's like if someone likes your bake to good, it's just the best feeling. Right. Oh, and yeah. It, and who, it's like if someone liked your podcast. <laughs> yeah. If. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I came out wrong. 
harsh, but under the accurate. circumstances that someone actually <laughs> likes it. Um uh but okay, who doesn't like baked goods though? And like, that's what makes it so good, right? right it's exactly. a really it's such a crowd pleaser. Like even if it doesn't turn out that great, most people are still happy to eat it. Yeah. It's you know, like a, sugar in it. It's, most people are happy with that. Right. It's like everyone else is out here playing checkers and I'm just 3D chess. Exactly. 4, 4D chess. Ooh. <laughs> there you go. Speaking of which, have I think there's like a Steam game you can buy that's like it actually is 4D chess and the way they do it is like through time so there's like a bunch of different like timelines that you can play through and you can actually move pieces from one board to another board and it's like it's insane do you still play chess i i uh not so much anymore i i did for a while though like a good couple years you won like the 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 championship (sighs) when we were in like i don't know seventh grade yeah that sounds right yeah 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 i didn't didn't know that i knew you were a bit of a connoisseur of chess back in the day but yeah so that goes back more than just college like i did i did just play like online a little bit in college but then in elementary school i i played a little bit i'm sure i was terrible like like, I mean, you were better than everyone else. Yeah. Well, That's all that matters. You were the local grandmaster. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very, very, very local. Yeah. That that was that was fun though. Like chess club at lunch and we'd like take our little lunch boxes and go to the it was like the science classroom. The or science something. lab. Yeah. 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 And then uh play chess and that was yeah, that was a good time. Yeah. That was that was stressful. I uh, so I always remember Mr. Harrison being like, "No kibitzing, no kibitzing." What does that mean? <laughs> that means like you're like ta- telling other, talking to other people like while the game is going and like kind of giving advice and whatnot. How is that spelled? Is that from like the word kibbutz? <laughs> I don't know. That that's what like, like no r- socialism. No socialism. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, wait. What kibbutz means? Like like a like the ver- like little like cooperative like essentially kind of socialist communities in israel that are like the the kibbutzim or like a kibbutz interesting a lot of them are like agricultural really it kind of like got the economy on its feet when it was just interesting so is that almost like a co-op very much so yes oh interesting huh wow i've never We'll have, to, we'll have to that. look into those words later and yeah, see if they're related. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't know if kibitz comes from kibbutz, but maybe. Maybe it has something to do with, like, a social, like, you're, like, cooperating with other people. Uh, right. That could be. That could be. Um, I think it's, like, a greater, it wasn't just, like, his thing, though. Like, it's a greater chess term as right. well. To Yeah. Um, but now with online chess, you, you don't really deal with that a whole lot anymore um because it's just like well there's who are you going to talk to you know right yeah although not to go on a tangent or anything but now that they've been doing they've been doing like online chess tournaments lately um because of covid yeah so people are forced to uh, like they couldn't have tournaments in person so they're like oh well we'll just do online tournaments um and then you're forced to have a camera on you so they can make sure you're not like looking stuff up and and like cheating essentially like your eyes are supposed to be on the screen the whole time wouldn't it be really easy to have it somehow set up that it's like a video of you that you recorded prior i mean i just feel like Uh, if you were really trying you probably could 
No? Maybe. I don't know. But they did definitely deal with like some cheaters though. Like Of course. I yeah. Mean, that's like there were some high profile people that they were like, oh yeah, like like top uh twenty five in the world, definitely top fifty in the world. And and they they were like, Oh yeah, you're you were cheating and you're banned. Um I think Ouch. Way to throw away your career. I know. It's it's really too bad. And then once, and then for a while, there was like a really interesting argument within the chess community about how to deal with cheaters because it was like, okay, well, should, should it just be like a one-time thing? And now you've proven that you're a cheater. And so you're banned forever. It's like, should, that seems a little bit harsh. Okay. So what, then like okay you get caught cheating once uh do you get suspended for a year or is that even too harsh or should it be five years and then like okay so let's say you get caught cheating once you get banned for two years or whatever the quote-unquote sentence is you serve it out and then you join back well how then you get caught cheating again if you get caught cheating again is it just like all right fooled me once fooled me twice shame on you now you're like gone forever definite yeah i I feel like if you get caught cheating twice then it's like all right buddy we kind of like figured you out once is a mistake a second time that's like you're you're just one good hand slap should be enough for something like that yeah exactly so i don't know it's it's pretty high profile cheating too Right, to yeah. be like if if top twenty five in the world into like oh, I can maybe get a little bit of an edge and beat this, mm-hmm. not worth it. Very right. bold, right? Very bold. Well, yeah. And the funny thing is that in chess, a lot of times it can be very obvious that people are cheating because they wait for a certain amount of time to make the move. Because so what they're doing is they have a chess engine, which is essentially the computer. Like we're past the point where computers can just beat people every single time. Right. Like the best player in the world, Magnus Carlsen, he will lose to a computer every single time. Is he the one who's like shockingly young? Uh, He's He's pretty young, isn't he? Like 20s? Late 20s, maybe maybe early 30s. I think Definitely like a young man though, not like... Like, in no way elderly looking. Oh, no. Like mo- or even middle-aged. R- right, right, yeah. Right. Actually, most of, like, the best players in the world are late 20s, early 30s. Um, and I think that's just because there's, like, a mental acuity thing where you... If you weren't familiar with the, you would expect like, oh, a grandmaster. They must be some like very old, old like monk Dumbledore yeah, vibes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but if you don't have a grandmaster by the time you're thirty, then like you're it, you're basically not gonna get it ever. Like so, so it's just really yeah, like. Y- you usually have to become a grandmaster and nowadays pe- people are becoming grandmasters even younger like 18 is like not that that's like kind of maybe not old but it's like moving towards oh, like wow. like you got to start becoming a grandmaster very young there's like 16 17 year old grandmasters um so they're accrediting it to Basically, your mental sharpness falling off after a certain age. Yeah, yeah. You know, it kind of makes sense when you think about it from like, like if you think about any kind of athletics or even like music, 
you know, if you don't start it as like a pretty young kid, the odds of you really excelling at any age are pretty slim. I'm not saying no one could, but just generally speaking. So, you know. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good point with, with especially with music or with athletics. Um, right. Starting young can give you like an enormous edge. Mm-hmm. Um, like it feels like you can have like a couple years of training. You can be better than someone that's older and has done other things in their life and has like 10 years of training just because it's so imprinted upon you at, at a young age and you just learn it better. Yeah. So there's, it's, that's, it's an interesting dynamic where like it's a young person's game. But then I was listening to uh, a Harvard professor talking about, um, he was saying that like actually the best time mentally, because Okay, so like chess is a very like uh, analytical game where you're just thinking through possibilities, right? So you're just like, all right, I need to like do a bunch of little calculations. That is best like when you're in your earlier years. I think your like peak mental acuity for that kind of stuff is like late 20s, early 30s. Even by early 30s, you're kind of starting to fall off. Um, But wisdom starts to come in like in your later years so this harvard professor was saying like 50s uh like late 40s early 50s is where you really start to get that wisdom and you can like uh do more with that then like get further ahead in the world just because uh like you don't prioritize just doing a bunch of quick little calculations Mm. um yeah, I don't so know. you might not be like as sharp, but you're making better decisions at the end. Of yeah, the day kind yeah, of thing. yeah, exactly, exactly. So that was that was something that I thought was interesting because I'd always heard like, oh yeah, like peak mental acuity, like late uh, late twenties, early thirties. That's when you should be like starting stuff and like you know making like really amazing businesses and all that kind of stuff. Like if you look at uh, really amazing uh business entrepreneurs like like gates started in his like probably mid i mean i probably early 20s but i think it really started to take off more when he was in his later 20s and like uh uh, it seems like he built his foundation in his early 20s but then he actually started making moves that mattered um yeah when more wisdom came into play right exactly so i don't know it's just it, it was an interesting perspective shift for me. I was like, huh, wow, that's fascinating. So, That's um, what's interesting about getting started on something when you're really young. It's like it's like a compound interest kind of thing. Um, it's like you put in, if you put in investments from an earlier time, then eventually time becomes your friend. Yeah. And, and the returns get better and better versus someone who maybe puts in more work, like, like more, um, like really difficult, like, concentrated work but they kind of get a late start at it mm-hmm. you have the edge because you got an earlier start um it's interesting how that works yeah and like uh if you're like let's say you're 15 and you start putting in two hours every day um at like any sort of skill like music yeah. you're playing piano guitar violin anything um soccer whatever you're actually putting in time every single day um versus someone that starts when they're and then you go up to 20 you're going to be way better off than someone who's 18 and is spending eight hours a day doing the same thing Mm -hmm. by the time they're 20 because there's i don't know why do you guys have any like hypotheses for why that is is it some psychological thing that i can't explain 
Yeah. Do you think it's like a neuroplasticity thing? I was kind of wondering if it like literally has to do with physical brain development. Yeah. I, I mean, so not my field. Well, like a big part of it, like, okay, so for example, I started playing guitar when I was like 10. And then my uncle that I lived with when I was in college, he started playing guitar when he was like 40 something. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though he like practiced way, way more than me, I just had an edge at it because I started when I was really young. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, like you said, neuroplasticity and like muscle memory. Like when you develop that muscle memory from a young age, it's like riding a bike. You can just, you can jump back on it and you just have so much of an edge over someone starting at it later. Because like he's, um, he spent all his life learning other things that I don't know. So he's good at a million things that I'm not good at, but I just learned guitar earlier than he did. So interesting. I, I think it's neuroplasticity and muscle memory is probably a big part of it, but I'm not a psychologist. Yeah. I, I know somebody that's like going to school f- to be like a brain surgeon or Ooh, something who's like that? that. Anyone I know? Uh, I don't think you would. They went to UW though. So maybe there's a possibility. Should I name drop? Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> up, up to you. Yeah, his name is Kisho. No. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I met him in Spain. Oh. It was on my Spain trip. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. It was yeah. a fun trip. And uh, he's like really smart. Uh, clearly must be yeah that, yeah i would assume Good that takes him. takes a little bit oh yeah definitely like uh is he like in medical school now then i think so yeah i think he's like working on becoming a doctor i always see his uh like in i think it's yeah his instagram and he's got like a white coat on and a tie and he looks very professional and like wow I know that guy. Like, wow. <laughs> what a legend. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah just, just failing in life utterly. Well, you know. I bet medical school's a big grind, though. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you kind of dodged a bullet. Oh, definitely. I'm not, like, I'm not wishing that I went to medical school at all. But I, it's like, well... I think people admire that grind. You know, it's like, dang, like, yeah, but you here's did the that thing. I mean, I know I feel like during COVID people started talking about this a lot more. And I I think that there's a there's a big conversation around like romanticizing or glamorizing the grind, mm. you know, yeah. and, and I feel like that's kind of what you're alluding to a little bit. And, and I get it because I do admire my friends who can just, you know, work like a machine constantly but like do we need to glamorize i don't know if that's healthy i don't know if it's really good for most of us i don't know yeah that's an interesting conversation i think it's kind of an individual thing too oh absolutely yeah some people thrive right and it is so, like kill some people so ryan's giving me looks <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know my opinion on that that's a tricky one cuz ryan's a grinder for sure okay yeah yeah it's first it's it's um some people like have to work a lot or else they go nuts. Yeah. Like that's a thing. Um, and at the same time, some people like a big thing is like hyperfixation is you get really fixated on something that you want to get or that like you get fixated on the satisfaction from your work or like the satisfaction of like outstanding your peers and doing things like that other people aren't doing. Yeah. And people can get like really out of control with it. And like, the whole term work-life balance <laughs> is it's kind of arbitrary because if you work-life balance implies that working is it, like, not life right yeah or is like is like a chore and something you shouldn't like 
um, which if you like your work, then then you work all the time. And sure. then, but then it, it kind of grows out of hand. And that's something that you were kind of alerting, alluding to earlier, Abby, where you were like worried that if you do a food blog for money or something like that, right. then oh. it would turn into work and then you'd be like, all right, this is no longer fun and yeah. I or hate food it, now. There's the stress around knowing like, oh, well, I have to get, have to bake this or whatever because I have to like have new content and it becomes that kind of chore. What it seems that boils down to, like, what I've always heard is, oh, if you if you make a career out of what you like doing, you're gonna you're gonna quit liking it. Mm-hmm. But or, you've also heard I've also heard like if you you know do what you love for your job, you'll never work a day in your life. Exactly, so. exactly. And what it all boils down to is your own personal attitude. Absolutely. And, and that's that's what it is. I mean, I've seen like Mark, my old coworker. He's like in his late sixties, and he like all he can think about is working on stuff and like fixing stuff. He just loves it. He's loved it ever since he started doing it. Like when he was younger than us. And it just has never gotten old for him. He's done like a million different things and it's just what he loves. And he's just as passionate about it as he was years back. And then there are some people that do what they love doing and turn it into a career and they hate it. Mm. It's really all about attitude and what you can put up with. That's um, true. I mean, work is always going to be like work. It's like there are always things you'd rather be doing. Right. But there's also like you have to program your mind. It's what it boils down to is like hunter gatherer stuff. Hmm, um, okay. Like like working is like hunter gatherer stuff. Um, like what? No matter who you are, it's it, it's like something that you you could do like more hedonistic things that are that are like more pleasurable at that moment. Like sit out in the sun and relax and drink and like have a beer. Um, but like doing yeah, you can. That's you, like... <laughs> you certainly can. You certainly can. But also, if you can if you can find enjoyment from doing things that are really beneficial to you and your community and that really make things better in the long term then you're a step ahead. Yeah. The, and so I think... You it's said, a never-ending argument. Like, you can never get to the bottom of it. You said something earlier that I think is important. You said what you can take. And so I think, like, that's really important, like, being realistic with what you actually can take. Because I think what some people run into is they, they've they got their day job, and then they've got their hobby, and then they start to hate their hobby because they monetize it or feel some sort of pressure toward it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's more, they start doing more with it than they actually can take. Yeah. Um, and so they're just not being realistic with like with, with themselves Oh, at, at the outset and they start to maybe grow too fast. And but make... isn't that because we're in late stage capitalism and <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the demands for growth are excessive? This Sorry, starting to sound like one of our earlier episodes, <laughs> just you and Cody and I talking about capitalism. Yeah, yeah, actually, I that's interesting. But so, like, mm, maybe it depends on like what kind of job that you have initially, because like, okay, if you have a minimum wage job. And you're like, all right, I need to have a hobby, an outside thing that I'm doing from my minimum wage job, so that way I can turn that into a career. Um, then that's like that's a side hustle more than a hobby, though, from the way you're describing it. Right, yeah. but that's what I'm saying is like there's a fine line between where the hobby starts and the side hustle ends. Um, and so, but if you're like comfortable. 
and you're like making a good salary for your area or whatever and you don't have to worry about like oh how i'm gonna pay the bills or whatever and you just have like this thing that you do on the side that you're like oh i'll spend a few dollars on it and uh you know do do a little blog or whatever um then maybe you're not quite as worried about like making it become a thing and then you can just let it like i don't know but like that that does flow into what you're saying with like the quote-unquote late stage capitalism thing we're like there is certainly an economic disparity there where like okay if you aren't making enough money then you're going to be forced to like make your thing a thing and then that's going to be uncomfortable so i don't hmm. i was even more just thinking from the perspective of like our society like so much demands like rapid growth kind of in all things so if it's your hobby and it's just for fun like we still just sort of societally and culturally have this feeling like if it's not sort of growing exponentially then it's not really thriving and maybe not everyone feels that way but Mm. i think that i think that you get like and i mean that's not necessarily a bad thing right progress is good but right like you have to like i i think you're alluding to like we spend too much time as a society uh like focusing on exponential growth and not enough time focusing on leisure and like uh and maybe leisure isn't even the right word but just like uh ah, i don't know like Hmm. doing things that you enjoy yeah i guess but so I would consider I would class that with like leisure though. Here's here's how I'll tie it in. Um so like the side hustle thing. Um in the early stages of me making my business thing happen, it was a side hustle. I had a full-time job and I would I would go home and do the stuff that I did on the side. Was your job like similar? It was like pretty much the exact same actually. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you've always been like working in something that you're loving yeah um it it was at least a field that i like fell into really well and it was like okay i know a lot about this particular thing and i know a lot about like other branches that kind of tie into it like like engine stuff and i'm like okay so i like i grasped this and i could probably do this so i had my full-time job doing it and then i started like making really good money doing it on the side and it's like wow if i can dedicate more time to doing this on the side then this can replace my job easy like in a matter of like months and so that's what happened like i quit my job and then it turned into this thing where in the early stages it is such a grind fest like you you give everything that you have into this thing to make no money at first yeah um unless you start doing it when you're still working like a nine to five but then you have no time to do it um as soon as you quit the nine to five you have all the time in the world and it's like oh yes but then you suddenly have all the time in the world just to do this one particular thing and that's like work on your on your brand or whatever. And so what I always tie it back to is that me and like me and most of my like college friend group, um, what we like the most is like working on cars. Like like we wanna we all wanna like build fast cars and like that's that's what that's like what we all have this common thing that we're into. And like a lot of the guys that I go to college with, they have a nine to five job that pays okay. Mm-hmm. Like it pays decent. And they have enough money to, like, come home and work on their cars on the weekends and, and like, do the stuff they want to do and, like, show it off and, and do cool stuff. And it's, like, awesome. Like, they get to enjoy their work and they get to come home and enjoy, like, their home life. There's That's where the work and life is separated. Um, and then it's, like, okay, well, 
I'm going to turn what I do into like a career, but then it becomes like what I do all the time. I don't have time to do anything else. Like, like I, I could go work on my car or something or like my project car, but I can't like got other things to do. So that's where it, that's where it can be like a double-edged sword. Yeah. And where the work-life thing, it definitely is like, okay, well. It's kind of both, but then it's everything. Yes. Like I can't let myself enjoy myself like I, like I should. And it's tricky. It's a tricky, tricky balance. And that's where it's like having, having a a day job or like a nine to five job is like such a nice thing to have because like as soon as you take that, as soon as you take the dive into doing something else, you gain freedom. Like when you do your own thing, like no one can tell you what, like you could, I could take next month off if I want to, I'm not going to, <laughs> but if I wanted to, I could, but it wouldn't be the right thing to like, it wouldn't be a smart thing to do. Um, but at the same time, you're so tied to it yeah. and it's, it's all on you. It is all on you. So it's a tricky, it's a tricky balance. Would you ever go back? Oh man. Me? No. Okay. No, it's like, it's definitely and i actually have a question for you about your line of work like like regarding what it takes to do what you do and like i'm sure there's probably people that you know that would be like you're like oh you probably shouldn't be an accountant um yeah that's fair but like like what you just asked me um i probably wouldn't go back like having experienced the freedom that you can experience like i probably wouldn't go back even for like all the bs that you have to go through and it's usually temporary it's like you're you're climbing a hurdle and then once you get past it and you you buy all the overhead like because you're basically losing money essentially in the first stages and then once that's over is when you start to make really good money but there are it's not for everyone yeah it's a huge pain in the butt so on that note what does it take to be an accountant could i be an accountant could brady be an accountant i think that academically speaking at like absolutely most people could right like there's plenty of content to learn but it's not it's not rocket science and I think what it comes down to is kind of what you were saying before like should you be and it's more a question of like does this bring you satisfaction do you find it interesting yes. does it does it motivate you and and that goes for any field right like if it if it's just not and it's just kind of a drag then I feel like you probably shouldn't because there's probably something that just will um, kind of, I guess, invigorate you more that yeah. is just a better thing to wake up and do day after day. Um, I think most of my friends in accounting would probably say that like they knew accounting was for them in a similar way that I did where, you know, in school it, it just clicked and they just you know, even if they, before they knew really what the careers looked like and what the industry opportunities were, they just kind of felt like this was something that they could see themselves doing, you know, eight hours a day and day after day and maybe nothing else felt that way. And that was kind of how it was for me at the time. So I think that that's always a great sign anytime that something's like giving you that little, like a signal. Yeah. It's like that little part of your brain that's like, Ooh, we have something here. Um, yeah, yeah it's a I great think, feeling. <laughs> right, right. And I think if you, you know, were not not that accounting classes are in any way the same as doing accounting jobs, and that goes for any field, obviously. Um, but you know, if you're sitting in one and it it just feels like the worst, then you probably <laughs> you're probably just better off doing something different. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a pretty a pretty uh, global statement, I think. So I like I would assume you got to be pretty like good with numbers. 
Yeah. Were, were you were you like a like a big math nerd well, in school? Well, there's or? a there's a lot of like memes and jokes about people thinking accountants are good at math, and you really don't necessarily need to be. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we use. What? We're, That's we're, like that goes against everything I would have imagined. And I get that. I do. And do, I mean, I think being quick at math is always like it's helpful in everyday life, no matter what you do. But I mean, we work in Excel basically twenty four seven, or however. 100% of the time that we're working, not 24-7. <laughs> yeah. um, um, and I, I think that that's true for most industry jobs as well as public accounting, or r- really any accounting work is going to be largely Excel-based. So any actual math that you have to do, you know, you're just a formula away. The, the math tends to be more basic. We're not typically working with, like, calculus at all. Yeah. I had to take a business calc class, but it was just the one, and I don't remember it. Business calc. Yeah, what is even involved I, in business calc? I cal- wish I, I remembered. Um, they seem to be know, arbitrary derivatives. to each other, like... Well, yeah, I could see maybe how you would want to use that for, like... Uh, like a forecast, like a financial forecast mm. As I or recall, something like that. The questions, the the way that they made the class kind of business mm-hmm, calc mm-hmm. was a little bit more related to like economics. And oh, okay. Yeah. So I can it was see that kind of well. like looking at derivatives from like an economic perspective, but it was a, oh, that was 2016. So it's been a while. Um, <laughs> It's funny that that was a long time ago because 2016 doesn't sound like that. Right. Okay. Know? Okay. Yeah. So five, that that was five years ago. Oh, wow. And we are, you know, younger people. So like, let's right. say we were 25, let's say, um, five divided by 25 is 20%, point two. Oh, so, okay. so that would be like 20, 20% of your life. Five years ago is 20% of your life. And that's if we were 25. Right, yeah. Right. So it's actually more than 25% of our life ago. Like, that is staggering to me. Ooh. That is staggering. That's wild. That hurts. Yeah. That's, yeah. like, a hard thing to think about and to accept. <laughs> I know. It's like, wow. That was really a long time ago Yeah. from that. It does yeah. feel, I mean, it, it feels like, it doesn't feel that long ago, but it when I think about, like, where I was in life at that point, it does feel like, oh, wow, like. You know, I've had so many different kind of like stages since then. So, so yeah, it has been a while. Right. Yeah. That and that's something that like we're we're young, and so like every time we do something different, it's like okay, this whole is new a new phase. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's a, fa- like a new, a new era. Phase. Yeah. Exactly. And we get to experience that like so frequently because we're young and we're like making different decisions and all that and yeah so it's kind of like an exciting time but then it's like a very volatile time that too yeah yeah so someone says where do you see yourself in five years like i've I've stopped having (laughs) a i mean i I think i used to have a more like concrete answer to that and i've (laughs) given up on on like trying to Mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly i mean if you're like if you're like 35 and someone asks you that, then it's a lot That's easier. Still fairly young, though, no? Oh yeah, for sure. But okay, when you're 35, then that's more like uh, 10% of your life. Five year? Wait, no, a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. 13%. Wait, See, no, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, he hold on. He should be No, I'm terrible. 12.6784. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. actually just. <laughs> <laughs> I would have believed you. You could have. You could have said it confidently, and I would have been like, yeah. He's got it. No, I, I'm very calculator dependent. 
But you understand what I'm saying. It's like that's a smaller fraction of your life. And you're at a different stage in your life where we're just like fresh out of college. And so like things are happening more quickly. And um, yeah, I don't. But I know what you mean. It's in the same way that and I don't know if you experienced this or you, but um, I found that in college, like my first year felt way longer than my second and which felt longer than my third, which felt longer than, well. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that it's because the first was 100% of the whole at that time. And then right. the second was 50%. And okay. then the third was 33 point. Yes. Yeah. Have you heard that theory about like aging and how time passes? Oh, no. Is this going to be like about... Is, is this is this like... like time gravity theory because no not no 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 it's it's relativity it's more statistics it's more statistical based so okay if you are one year old then one year passing is going to seem like forever because that is like the entirety of your life that you've known Mm -hmm. right okay yes but if you're 20 years old and one year passes then that's only like five percent of your life so it's going to seem a lot quicker because you're like you have more years under your belt. That that's like Okay, so precisely. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I'm on board with this. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that so I, I think it's so funny that you were like you basically said that theory but like you had never heard you came up with it independently. Wow, I should put I should get my name put on it now. Yeah, seriously. Yes. Seriously. It should be the Abby theory. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Everyone's observed it. I mean, it's it's something you right. can't you, you can't not observe just growing up and, and like how some years seem longer and some years don't. Yeah, that's true. And there's yeah. definitely other factors that affect that as well. Like clearly, yeah. I, unfortunately, I think the rough patches always seem to take forever, especially in the time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, man, something bad just happened. So then every single day oh, seems man. like it's a week and can't like will time to move faster I yeah know. exactly yeah. and then you start thinking about it and you're like oh man i wish uh i could just be done with this already and then it gets even worse because you're thinking about every <laughs> right? single second passing and your grave is like slowly looming closer oh god <laughs> existential dread oh yeah exactly can exactly. you relate on college taking like like you know the first year was slow and then the other year or next year was quicker next year was quicker because i won't i was only in tech school for a year but every quarter seemed like that and the quarters felt the same way so i Mm -hmm. totally agree um yeah i always felt like uh fall quarter was the slowest and then spring quarter was the quickest well yeah because it was the sunniest yeah exactly seasonal depression to circle back yeah yeah that's a big circle back (laughs) so so like spring quarter you're like oh bam boom let's like woohoo we're we're done with this um and yeah there's like i think so i don't know about year to year if i necessarily felt that way it's hard to think back that was so long ago now yes many (laughs) many years (laughs) um well that's five years ago just about oh yeah okay if we're going off of year one yeah 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 if you're going back to year one it's like yeah that's a that's a terrifying thing to think about the years start coming and they do not stop coming 
back to Smash the rules and I hit the ground running. Thank you, thank you. Should Very we break nice. into that? Because yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm like so tempted. We have a band of the week for next week. Yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Oh my gosh. I think I know that entire song. That's a that's a banger. Dude, that song wasn't off of uh, their first album, right? I don't... Oh God, I have no idea. Uh, but their I... first album I think is called Fush You Meng. I okay. don't think it is that album. So, so far. <laughs> walking, on the, walking on the Sun was on that first album. I you just... know that song, right? Uh yeah, man, no just will be walking on the sun. Do do do. Wait, no, yeah, yeah, I know that's it. Yeah, um, all I mostly what I know Smash Mouth from is track. Obviously. Okay, I'm glad it's not just me, but you yeah. know I do listen to that song sometimes. Yeah, it's fantastic. Right, it slaps. It's Didn't... a good one to have on the shuffle. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's so many good songs in Shrek. Like it's fantastic. Oh yeah, it's like it's. I... I wonder who gets hired to do like movie soundtracks because they're always like for the most part they're usually like really good like right. really well compiled. Yeah, definitely. I want to know who built the soundtrack for the Americans, and I don't know if <laughs> <laughs> that show, that show. I haven't seen that show. It's about it's... Ru- Russian spies. <laughs> it is about like KGB, yeah, undercover okay. operatives oh, okay, in the so, U.S. So during the Cold War. Yeah, so USSR then, not yes, necessarily Russian. Right? Are they from Russia though? Like, yeah, the, okay. the the main characters are both from like Moscow or something. They're like sent from the Kremlin to like exactly. annihilate the United States, infiltrate and destroy. <laughs> More like conducting espionage. It's very um more stealthy. Oh, it's more okay, yeah. right. You I, should check it out. I, I it's very good. <laughs> You told me to do that like five, five years, years ago. ago. <laughs> or like seven. Uh, we were definitely in college at the time. Okay. Excuse All I know me. is that I started watching a junior year of high school. So. Oh, okay. It's been around for a while. Uh, yeah. I want to know who compiled the soundtrack for Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, also oh, a really good one. Yeah. You know, right? One of the best. So good. One of the best. I know. I A lot of my friends who don't. Uh, Just like classic rock gems. Mm-hmm. Right. And I have a lot of friends who I wouldn't necessarily expect to know as many like great classic like old jazz songs and i hear them like humming them and i'm like oh how do you know this song and that's Guardians, how yeah. but you know what it's great like and okay the way they incorporated music in that movie was also yes. like very clever yes. very clever it may it like it makes it makes sense to like why you know sometimes you're watching a movie and you're like oh a soundtrack is playing now like what okay it's a montage yeah yeah exactly (laughs) but then with guardians it's like oh he has his earbuds in and now he's like listening to his like a little bit cheeky yeah 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 definitely but it's definitely it's definitely like a pop pop culture movie but like it's still that's the thing with the marvel movies is they they're made to appeal to a broader audience but they still do a good job with it like i'm not i'm not super familiar with that whole franchise just because i never got into it and so by the time like the popular ones started coming out i was like okay it's way too late for me like i can't get invested because if i do it's just gonna be it's just gonna be too much um so so yeah uh, yeah, but they, uh, from what I have seen, they do a good job of like building a storyline and they're like all overarching and they like meet back up with other movies from the 
like anyway yeah i totally agree and similarly i I didn't get into them from the get-go so there's a lot of like background that i don't have yeah more recently i mean i watched uh like the falcon and the winter soldier Mm. and that new loki show i am on board with oh oh wait which i know what it's called but we've been watching on disney plus oh okay not sponsored (laughs) (laughs) maybe one day what's the What's the... Okay, so there's like Winter Soldier... No, that's a movie. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is, uh, is a that TV a, show. That but is it, a TV show. My understanding, and don't quote me on this, um, but my understanding is that it is like the prequel for a movie that will be coming sometime. Okay. And then there's the other one that has like kind of a weird name and I can never... WandaVision. WandaVision. So good. Yes. I watched okay. that as well. That's not the Loki one. Okay. No. I, yeah, that's... That one hits deep though. I yeah I think my girlfriends watched it and she there were a couple episodes where she was like oh my gosh this is wild like I can't stop watching yes yeah um so I that, think it's a tearjerker at the end yeah so I, I okay I don't want to spoil anything but there's like it's like not maybe not everything isn't as it seems is that I mean like I think the trailer says that oh, okay I have it I'm like totally out of the loop oh, of okay. it okay I'm just hearing what I've but yes, yeah, that yeah. is very fair. Okay, okay, yeah. So, so the thing is, I was always an X Men guy because oh, love X Men. Right, my, but the franchise has kind of dropped off. It's, like, yeah, but but isn't that okay? Like, you don't have to like kill. You know, you don't have to like pound it into the ground, right? Yeah, like when it's done, so. it's done. I just wanted to see more of Nightcrawler. Okay, because, yeah, okay. He's pretty great. So, f- fun story. Um, back when I was younger. And Cody, Cody's not here. He would have been a great addition to this. Um, if, if anybody's wondering, he's still doing Marine Corps stuff. He's off and gone. <laughs> I miss him. I know it's a bummer. How how much longer is he gone? Uh, he'll be back uh in a week, about. Um, so thank goodness. Need Do you that still man. see him like on the daily? Uh, not. Uh, like a couple times a week. His probably. work schedule he keeps him away pretty often. Yeah, but like we. we he can't stay away. I mean, come on. He's got a, a three, almost four-year-old brother, so he's got to check back in and like make sure he's a, you know, hasn't grown too much. Right. Um, right. Okay. So, when we were young, and we'd play like uh, superheroes and whatnot, you got to like choose totally. your s- superhero, yeah. right? So I would always choose Nightcrawler because I thought it was like the coolest thing that he could teleport. Like it, like that is the coolest superpower. You can just like teleport. Like, that's like from, OP. Yeah, right. Exactly. You can just teleport from pl- place to place. I feel like it was very hipster of you to pick Nightcrawler and not like Wolverine. You know. Oh yeah. Spider Man sure. was my go-to. Okay. Oh. Spider Man oh, always. Always a classic. I oh mean, yeah. Can't go wrong. Oh yeah. He's I was very into Spider-Man growing up. Anytime that it's like relatable, you know, kid next door, like, yeah, how can you not exactly buy into that? Okay, and so, so that's part of the thing with Nightcrawler is that I found out, like, 
at first I was like, okay, he seems like kind of cool. Like I like the teleporting power. And then the more I learned about him, the more I was like, okay, like he's got to be my guy because he's also Catholic. And so I was like, oh, what? Yeah. 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 That's crazy. Um, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think he's German, which that I'm Polish, so maybe that doesn't quite line up so well. <laughs> um, but you, you know, Eastern European, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah, They're you will catch him countries. reciting prayers at the end of X Men too. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So I feel like he was only really featured in one, maybe two X Men movies. He and was most was like, prominent in X Men too, I think. But he yeah. was definitely like in a couple others, right? But yeah. that was kind of where they, you know, kind of featured him a little bit more and. Right. Oh, okay. And I just remembered the other reason that I like Nightcrawler is because he was on that like cartoon. Do you remember? There's like an early. I think I might know what you're talking about. There's like an early X-Men cartoon where maybe they were like teenagers or something. Like It was on the Cartoon Network. Something like that. They're like, they're like young. And I always remember being like, okay, he's cool. Like he can teleport. Um, And then when I found out that he, you were talking about Wolverine. Yeah, in I guess in one of the comics he killed Wolverine, which is like I didn't know that. Well, how can you kill Wolverine? He can regenerate, and he has adamantium. Well, what he did was (laughs) he can actually choose to teleport like specific parts of people. So like. Because you know how he can teleport people with him, right? So if they're, like, grabbing onto him, he can teleport people with him. But he he doesn't have to teleport all of someone. So what he did was teleported Wolverine's head off. Oh. <laughs> and that killed him. But why would you want to kill Wolverine? <laughs> I don't. There they was. Were on the, well, I know they were on the same team, but there was some sort yeah. of story arc where they ended up on a different team, and he killed him. I don't know. I, I, it doesn't have to make sense. It's okay. there. It's I a didn't fake ever, world. <laughs> like read the comic books or see the cartoons. Oh, I neither just did I. Just know the movie, like the Hugh Jackman ones. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just coming up with reasons, more reasons to like Nightcrawler. You know, it's I'm not like, sure if that made like ingratiated him to me anymore. Oh, because right, it didn't have to. It didn't have to, but I wasn't attached. But it's, but it's pretty cool. I wasn't attached to Wolverine, so okay. I was like, okay, well, like this guy's cool because he can teleport kill- his head off. Yeah, he can it's kill. The- cool. He can kill the guy that's unkillable, and plus the whole concept of like whenever <laughs> this is terrible, but whenever we were like discussing, this is such an older brother thing, and I'm so mean. Cody would be like, well, I choose this guy because he can beat Nightcrawler. And then he'd be like, no, just teleport your head off. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> I win. And he, yeah, he'd be like, dude, no, that's not fair. Like, you can't just teleport everybody's head off. Actually, I can teleport yeah. all Watch of me. your heads off. Yeah, exactly. I'll just teleport behind you and teleport your head off. And that's a really fun thing to say. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, just teleport your head off. Like, it's just a fun thing to say. It's always going to get a reaction, too. Like, right. You're always going to, like, piss off, you know younger sibling oh yeah Unde- ideal undeniably <laughs> undeniably some of the best entertainment yeah. there is i think the trick with nightcrawler though not to like continue my monologue anymore but i'm monologuing okay so the <laughs> trick with nightcrawler is that he uh has to see where he's teleporting 
Because otherwise, he can accidentally teleport into things, and then he's screwed, right? Because, like... Yeah, he said he could end up in the middle of a wall or something. Right, and then, like, he's done, donezo. Like, he's in bad shape. So, the trick is you gotta, like, shut off all the lights so he can't see, and then, like, you confine him to a space... Like like a church building or something, and like get get all the lights shut off, so that way, uh, and then like force him to fight you, and yeah, then you're in, then like, then he's in trouble. Riddle me this. Okay, okay, shoot. So, if he is a good Catholic, as you claim, would he really <laughs> be starting fights in a church building? I feel like. Oh, okay. the hard questions come in. You know what? I didn't say that he was a good Catholic. <laughs> I just said that he was Catholic. I think we both know plenty of Catholics that aren't necessarily good Catholics. Like, I mean, come I on. I was just trying to, like, you know, make you question the... I was just trying to stir the pot. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. That's good fair. Stir. Good like, stir. it does seem a little bit sacrilegious to get in a fight in a yeah. church. Yeah, and he's always hiding in them. And, like, I get it. It's a sanctuary. <laughs> but, like, you know they're looking for you. Well, right. It's kind of... It's kind of like it's a little bit unethical because you you can't like just hide behind like sacred sacred monuments and whatnot like like I, I mean it, you're like all right time out I'm in a church you just gotta like you just gotta like wait until I'm uh, ready. But isn't to that part of the point? In. Well, yeah, no, that's definitely part of the point, but I just don't think it's very fair. Like you gotta play fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't just like teleport their heads off. You have to play fair. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. You, you know what? We we have the Geneva Convention. So, like, I know they say all's fair in love and war, but, Did like... Did the X-Men abide by it, though? Oh, that's a really good question. Ooh. I'm have, not sure that Magneto uh, did. Love him. He's my favorite, though. Have you seen The Boys? Yes! Okay. So good. The Boys is really good. Um, And that is Horrifying. really interesting because that gets into, like, the whole ethical portion of superheroes right it's right. like it's like okay well and obviously that movie that that show i kind of got like anti-capitalism vibes from it because the whole premise was based on the fact that like the superheroes at that point had become their own corporation and so like there were very like like the superheroes had become like raytheon essentially i, mean, I, I agree with that like underlying message but do you disagree that like the bigger and more monetized things become the less pure no i'm not i'm not denying that that's what would happen at all like i'm not denying that that's what would happen i'm not making any sort of like like statement regarding it one way or another i'm just saying that that was kind of like the vibe that i got from the show totally agree yeah yeah um I wasn't, yeah, sorry, I wasn't trying to put any sort of, like, moral... Uh, Maybe that was me reading it, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. How dare they? But, but yeah, like, that kind of gets into what you are talking about. It was like, well, sh- do superheroes have to abide by the Geneva Convention? And, like, the, uh, the uh, like, Congress had to, like, approve whether or not the the superheroes could be used as weapons of war and all that because initially they were just domestic like they were just taking out bad guys that were inside the united states and then there was like this whole pandora's box of like okay essentially remember that in the boys you don't wait was that like the end of the latest season uh yeah it's getting more towards that yeah it's getting more towards that and I I don't want to 
Mm, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, it's been out for long enough. Yeah. Um, so like they end up having like terrorist superheroes. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. So that's when Congress was like, all right, we yeah. have to have like our own superheroes fight against the terrorist superheroes. I remember now. Yeah. And that's when you find out that like the people that made our superheroes actually made the terrorist superheroes. What? What? Yeah. So that way they could like further their brand, you know? Yeah. Like your superheroes are now more valuable because it's the only weapon you have against. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so that like, but that even goes more into like the anti-war kind of like sentiment that happened in the show. And like, actually, I I think, I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast before, but uh, are you familiar with Chapo Trap House at all? (laughs) My sister loves Chapo Trap House. No, that checks out. That totally (laughs) checks out. That completely checks out. Right. I bought her the book one year for some holiday. They have a book? Yes. Oh, what's their book? I don't remember. I just like I searched Chapo Trap House book and I bought it for her because okay. she told me she wanted. It. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Um, they've definitely talked about the boys on their podcast. Oh, before. that that checks out. Yeah, and like obviously, I don't lo- I don't necessarily agree with all of their politics, but I definitely like. It's super interesting to hear how like. Uh, I mean, they're all democratic socialists. Right. Um, so it's very interesting to hear what their takes are on stuff because they're essentially they're so far left that they hate both Republicans and Democrats. And so it's like it's like, oh, this is huh? like this is a totally different perspective that you wouldn't necessarily get from like um, any mainstream politician. Isn't oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah definitely. No, for definitely. Sure. Yeah. So. That was like a really wild ride. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember where we left off. How we got here? I was just letting you guys go. Yeah, we were talking about that was interesting the entire time. Okay, that's good. Yeah, we're talking about like I wanna, superheroes. I want to watch the boys know. Oh, it's oh, I so good, it. and it's it's crazy. Like it's a wild ride. It's like a series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a Amazon Prime. Amazon show? Prime. I think it's free. Prime. I, yeah, if if you have Prime, it's free. Um, and I think it's their season three is hopefully coming out soon. I haven't seen that one yet, but like season two ends on a cliffhanger. It does. So they really better like come out with the season yeah. three soon chop, because chop. it's like deliver properly. Whew, whew. Oh man! You know it's gonna be like another year. Ah, oh, yeah, probably. But yeah. it's streaming, so it's not like they have to wait for COVID or anything. Oh, I know. Yeah. Like, there were a lot of interesting movies that were supposed to come out, and then they, like, postponed them for too long, and then they came out on streaming anyway, and then by that time, the hype was over. Like, so it, it was, it's been a weird time for movies in the past year, but what can you do? Weird time for a lot of things. Oh, yeah, for Everything. sure. For sure. Yeah. Like, I am so glad, though. I'm that... glad we're starting to kind of swing back. Yeah. I remember us talking about that in one of our first podcasts about, you're like, I can't wait for things to swing back. And I'm uh-huh. like, I sure hope they do. And now they st- are, I'm starting to be proven wrong, and that's good. Yeah. Well, so uh, in Washington, they said, we're going to like fully reopen by the when 70% of people 16 and over are vaccinated or um, June 30th. Either way. And why why is June 30th like the magic? Why don't you ask 
the politicians. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not not to not to be like that straightforward about it. No, but that's fair. Essentially, I, I was just wondering if like they had some, even if it wasn't like you know a great uh, reason. If yeah, there was, I I it's halfway through the year. <laughs> you know, I it's mean, it's the half birthday. I yeah. I think celebrate pretty much. I, I think that maybe part of the reason, if you if you want to look for a reason, part of the reason is that that's when summer like really starts to start. Okay. Um, and so people are going to be outside more, and COVID doesn't. It, it's very difficult to get COVID outside, especially if you're vaccinated. You're basically like there's essentially zero percent chance of getting COVID if you're outside, and also if you're vaccinated. Um, I, I'm just, I'm just saying that, like, I th- I'm pretty sure that's fact. Um, <laughs> uh, even if you're outside and unvaccinated, you really have to be like right on top of people. Um, because there's just like the volume of air that's surrounding you, uh, makes it like, you have to have a certain amount of viral load. Like to... virus per molecule of Yeah, air. yeah, yeah, sure. exactly. And when you're Lemon outside, stems. yeah, yeah. Sorry, what was that? I said in layman's terms. Yeah, yeah. For me. Yeah, there you go. Uh, virus per um, volume of air, whatever that may be. Even I can understand that. <laughs> um, so I'm, I think I was listening to an epidemiologist from UW. I think he works on the... So at the very beginning... Sorry, I'm really just going off on a tangent no, tonight. No, go for Let's it. hear it. At the beginning of the pandemic, you may have heard of the University of Washington's IHME model. Um, maybe not. Uh, that was a model that a lot of uh, a lot of governments were using to determine like how we should react to the pandemic. Okay. Um, and so essentially, they're UW just specifically they were using theirs. Yeah, they're, it's it's called an IH. They're like Institute of Health Metrics, okay. um, something like that. And they um, they have a, their COVID model that uh, describes like w- what the anticipation is for how many cases there are going to be and how many deaths and all that. Um, and a lot of government agencies were using that to determine. Um, how they should react. Um, and so I was listening to one of the epidemiologists from the IHME, and he was saying that he's very optimistic for summer because transmission is very low in summer. However, he was more concerned with the winter, like when winter, fall and winter starts to pick up, pick back up because people are going to start going back inside and we're seeing a lot of variants coming over like like uh the in i guess they're just calling it the indian variant now and (laughs) yeah i'm like don't get me started because there was like the whole how you can't say china virus but now we're saying indian variant and that's like I think that's something that a lot of people haven't picked up on is that like at the very beginning it was bad to say the China virus, but now oh, it's still bad to say that. Right. And I'm not saying I'm just, no, I know you're not <laughs> saying that. I, I, I just wanted to clarify. Um, but now everyone is calling stuff like the Indian variant and the Brazilian variant and the UK variant. And I just, the, you know, there's, I think there's certainly, it's, I think it's easier now that it's a global virus to, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I don't know. It's kind of a, Anyway, um, so he was saying that because of all these variants, he's a little bit concerned about what's going to happen when it comes to fall and winter and like perhaps um, the vaccines aren't quite as effective against Mm -hmm. these variants. 
Um, and so that might be part of why June 30th is like we're reopening and then fingers crossed we don't have to shut back down. Like and, last year. Yeah, that was so sad. I know. It, and it w- I don't even think we really opened back up over the summer. It it's it's like, going to take a while to swing back. Yeah. Um, I think some things are like forever going to be different. Like I, totally. I've even noticed my like perception of personal space and like the grocery store has become a much bigger thing. And right. and, it, and it, it's not, I mean, I'm vaccinated now. I'm not necessarily super concerned, but I definitely notice when someone like brushes past me and I probably never would have before, but now it's like, ah, right now there's you just can't more do of a, that. It's interesting how it's changed people's perception of, right. It's changed people's psychology in a certain way. Oh, for sure. I mean, like being in your house, for basically a year with like you're just going to the grocery store that's going to change your psychology and like your perception of other people big time regardless of like what the circumstances are so it's just it is it's a really interesting kind of sociology problem right where where's where's the sociologist at like (laughs) (laughs) our next guest (laughs) yeah such great material for those classes Oh yeah, seriously. Right? And I I I the the trickiest thing for me with the pandemic has been the fact that like everybody wants to know what's going on, but I think nobody really actually knows. Um so I think that there's just there's been a lot of like people grasping for answers and looking for whatever they can. Um, whether that's like they're just looking at Facebook or they're looking at Reddit or other social media or whatever like random news doing site. What we're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gossiping about what, yeah. Um, it, it, people would just want to like have some sort of knowledge so that way they don't have to be, they don't have to have the fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, people want answers to things even if they're not the best answers. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, like it's more pacifying to people to have an incorrect answer than no answer at all. Totally correct. You're grinning. Why are you grinning? No reason. Okay. (laughs) Um, well, you said it's true though. I I feel that it is. I don't know. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Okay. It brings, it brings people like a certain contentness, even if it's not, even if it's not legitimate, it's at least a sense of contentness and it's. Right. It's all they need. Yeah. So uh, I don't, <laughs> on, on on that note. Um, Abby seems to find something funny. No. I, yeah, I'm so confused, but that's okay. We'll just, we'll just keep it going. I forgot. I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, I don't know. This is a just, good episode. Yeah. Like, let's get COVID out. Let's uh, crush the virus. <laughs> Please. Dude, okay. Eventually. Sorry. Another rant. Do you remember two, <laughs> <laughs> two weeks Two weeks to two weeks to crush the curve, or oh my god, two weeks to flatten the curve. Yeah, that was the biggest load. Was like... <laughs> that was the biggest load <laughs> that the American populace has ever been fed. I know, and all the celebrities being like, "I'm staying home for two weeks, and it's not that hard, and you can too." And, and I mean, I get why, but like, remember Didn't when we all thought it way. was going to be two weeks? Do you remember Imagine? Do you remember oh all the celebrities God. singing Imagine? Okay, oh that was awful, though. That was terrible. That was the worst thing. That Yeah. Imagine. Oh, v- very privileged seat people. that we're sitting in to be saying that that was the worst thing. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. But but it was not right. great. Um, but they were... 
no, it but, was bad. but they're priv- they have a lot of they have more privilege than any of us, and they were like, oh, I think everyone. I don't think anyone liked that. No. For what it's worth, it was a little tacky. Yeah, it yeah. was terrible. Have you? It's like those those video games where uh, you like make a dialogue decision, and then they're like, uh, "Brandon hated that." Or something <laughs> like that. Oh, like Fallout? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're like, oh, I think that's essentially what happened. Not well received. Yeah, the entire American population hated this. <laughs> That was basically what happened. Um, yeah. And, oh, the other thing I was going to say, it might give me in slight trouble, but... We'll fix it in post. Well, okay. So, like, Fauci has been on... He has been on tape saying, essentially, a lot of the things that I said, I said because that's what I thought the American people could handle. And, like, on one hand, I understand that. But on the other hand, on the other hand, it's falsifying. Also very patronizing. Oh, yeah. It's very patronizing. Yeah. And and then most more recently, he's come out and said, like, uh, a lot of the attacks on me are really attacks on science. And it's like, whoa, like, so you're saying that you are the science. And to some degree, I agree. To some degree, I agree where he has said things that are just consistent with science. But I think the optics of him saying, like, if you disagree with me, you disagree with science. Like, that's a really the messaging of that isn't really ideal. I'm actually a little bit surprised to hear you saying this as like as a scientist. Well, because I feel like I could hear you like explaining something scientific and then saying like, well, if you disagree with this, you're just disagreeing with science. Like, like I understand why. No, right. But would that this. would be me. Is, is, that... is there a specific instance that you're referring to? Is more my question. Uh, um, okay. So like, a- actually, I've been rather disappointed with the scientific community in the past year. Um, because there have been a, there's a lot of pressure to get things out about COVID and there's, there's journals that have relaxed their standards for what's acceptable to publish. Um, and things that are accepted as fact in February or March were being, uh, like being overturned in April and May. So it was like, okay, well, we we can't just because something bad is happening and and like I understand that we want answers and we want to be able to help the greater community, we can't relax our standards for what what's acceptable. Um and if you if you want to publish and like if if you're nature, you have to hold a certain standard. And you can't you can't relax that standard. If people want to publish and they want to publish in a lower journal that people don't care about quite as much, then go ahead. Um, but it's yeah, it's just been kind of disheartening. And I've heard th- this. This isn't just my opinion. I've heard this from uh, like other other scientists, and they've said yeah, like there's a lot of stuff. This and this was especially earlier on in the pandemic. Um, there's a lot of stuff going around that isn't exactly like the height of science. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of 
sorry to bring it down, but like I've I've been kind of disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Um so like a specific example is like the origins of the coronavirus. Um so at the at the very beginning of the pandemic, it was quite gauche to say oh the the coronavirus it was the bat story right and and isn't that just from the movie contagion well yeah (laughs) you know like was it oh 100 i only saw the movie one time like poops on a pig then the pig gets like butchered at a restaurant you know and then that's how the movie contagion goes um but i don't recommend like i mean it wasn't that good of a movie so Right. Whatever. I watched it on an airplane once. I don't remember how it went. I think I watched it on an airplane. Really? Yeah, like on it, the little thing they give you? Yes, and it scared me. I was a kid oh. at the time. Be- I was a kid because too. I was a kid, so I was like scrubbing my hands a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, Whoa. But so that that was like the narrative, and if you said anything, if you said anything against that, then people were like, "That you're a horrible person. Like you can't say that. That's very bad. Like why? I can't believe." Sorry, sorry. This is like the, this is the, like it came from the lab hypothesis. If you if you at all uh, thought that that was a possibility and you voiced that, then it was very bad. It does sound a little tinfoil hatty. It yeah. does. So I think I think there was a problem that was happening where there were two things that people were saying. One thing that people were saying was this was engineered in a lab and this was created in order to like decimate the population and like and this was like actively created and then the other thing that that puts like a malicious intent behind it right yeah very yeah the other thing that people were saying at the same time was okay there's research being done at this lab that is on coronaviruses and they weren't being careful enough and it escaped somehow. Like somebody got sick, um, and and they pass that on to the next person, and they pass that on to the next person, and next thing you know, it's in the greater population. So that theory doesn't sound quite as far fetched, right? Right. And so I think um, people were conflating the two theories, and it it became. It's like all about wording. I mean. Right, exactly. Yeah. If you're referring to either and saying like, oh, it came from the lab. Right. Then... Like if you say it came from the lab, then either of those, you could be talking about either of those theories and it, it became a, like, you know, like right. I said, gauche or faux pas to like, to say that. Um, but now we're at the point where very major publications are like, you know, maybe that wasn't such a crazy theory after all. Like it's actually becoming more likely that this is uh, the origins. Um, And so that's been another thing that it's just been rather disappointing. Like we're at a, as, as people learn more about it, I think, it it degrades trust in the scientific community and that is it's disheartening you know yeah so i'm hopefully i'm i'm hoping that we can regain <laughs> regain trust you know it's like it's important it's important um yeah yeah sorry another monologue <laughs> this has been a very monologue episode it's all right though i did have one one question for you abby ooh do tell what are your let me see that really quick not the, not the <laughs> that, that too though if you want no it's it's the all gone like beverage it, it's all gone my bad um so 
where do you see yourself in the long term in your field? I mean, like ideally, I, that's a hard question. We actually just went over this o- earlier when you were like, oh, I, you know, it's hard to see where you're going to be in five years. But ideally, what would you like to be doing and where would you like to be living? Okay, yeah. So I don't see myself changing locations in the next five years. And I mean, obviously, who knows? But I love living in the Seattle area. Um, so I... I you always have. I always you have. You always have. <laughs> so, I can confirm, like, even when we were very young, you'd always tell us about, like, oh, I was in Seattle this weekend. I and... just love it there. Yeah. And so I'd be, I'd be pretty surprised if I, like, had a crystal ball and I saw five years from now Abby living somewhere significantly different. Um, but hopefully I won't still be renting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. a vibe. <laughs> right, totally. Good goal, good goal. Um, and then... I guess as far as like in my field and in my career goes, uh, I will fall back on uh, this is kind of my interview answer, but it's true. Um, when I'm looking for a, a position in my field, I'm, I've never been looking for something with the intent of it being a one year jumping off point. So I've been looking for things that I could picture myself at for a more significant period of time. Right. And with that said, you know, life changes a lot very fast sometimes. So who knows? I don't like to kind of make like sweeping declarations just because I have sort of like submitted to the reality that I, I just don't know, uh, you know, where things will go, but, but that's been my approach and that's, and that's still the case. So, so I will just leave it at that, I guess. Great answer. Yeah, that makes sense. I think the, like there's security and longevity and that is like very I'm kind of a creature of habit too well I th- yeah I think that's aren't we all yeah yeah, exa- yeah okay, exactly it's like it's kind of a it's a it's very nice to just like have the comfort of like I know what I'm doing tomorrow like yeah yeah it, it's really good um well Abigail what a fantastic episode. Thank you so much for being on, Abby. It's been Thanks for having awesome me. Awesome talking to you. Yeah, great really, meeting you. Really good meeting you. And um, What do you have to say for yourself? What do you have to say for yourself, Abby? I wish I knew. <laughs> God, it's so fun to hit him with that question. I know. I know. I love it. Nothing good. What? Oh, yikes. No, I don't know. Nothing. Okay. What do you have to say for yourselves? Ooh, hitting us We've with We've never the... had it swung back to us. Yeah. Dang. People just take that and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they, they usually do. They usually do. They usually get all nervous and kind of like, uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> a lot of times, a lot of times people have given like a little tidbit of advice like, oh, this is what, you know, like in my experience, I think that people should do this. Um, but... Oh. Yeah. I wish that I had such wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Well... Never, s- never put off for tomorrow what you could accomplish today. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, um, put one. me in a tiny room with bright lights and you ask me what I have to say for myself. It's very like... Uh, Oh yeah, interrogation style. You have ten seconds to yeah, answer. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. All, all we need is a swinging light bulb. It's like good cop, bad cop. And <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know who's who. We do need the swinging light bulb, just but just the light bulb by itself, like in the <laughs> just kind of flickering, buzzing uh-huh. a little yep. bit. Exactly. A wooden chair, very uncomfortable. Uh, you should get that for your next. Time. Yeah. No, what that's do, what a do you good have to idea. Say, what do you have to say for yourself, Brady? Uh, pardon my monologuing. <laughs> Uh, uh, hopefully it wasn't too offensive and, uh, it was, uh, all, uh, it was great. This is a great episode. Hopefully it was exciting and interesting and worth listening to. It was. What do you have to say for yourself? Oh, I was hoping no one was going to ask me. Um, too bad. (laughs) 
what I have to say for myself is that um, everyone should. This is really, really cliche and kind of like dorky, um, but this is really cliche and really dorky. Live like a wolf. Ooh. Uh, dang. Live with freedom. Live with drive. And there's like one other thing. That could be like a beer commercial. Wow. Yes. Uh huh. Killing it. I should be in, in beer advertising, I guess. Wait, wait, what is that beer advertisement that's like he, uh, Oh, it's also a song. It's like, we salute you. Like, a men of some. Mm, uh, we salute uh, you. You know what I'm talking about? I think it's an ACDC song. Yeah. Uh, for those about for, to rock. For those about to rock, we salute you. We salute you. you. Yeah. I feel like that was in a beer commercial or something. You're probably right. I, I feel like it was, and they, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know why I brought that up. I don't know many things. Oh, we were talking but, about beer commercials. That's right. Yeah. But, um. So, so for those about to rock, we salute you. We do salute <laughs> you. We salute you. <laughs> a good firm salute. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that just about wraps, wraps it up. Yes. Beautiful episode. Awesome, yeah. awesome stuff. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, do you have... Any sort of social media or anything that you care to shout out? No. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. Um, Our social media, however, for Impaired Upstairs. Yeah. You can reach us on impairedupstairs.com. You can listen to all all of our episodes on our website. There's also a contact us page where you can send us an email if you want to be on an episode. We would totally appreciate it. Um, we, We love having guests. That's kind of what's been... That's been really, really good for episodes lately is having more and more guests of, you know, different varieties of people, different backgrounds. It's been really, really good lately. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been great. It's we also have an, we also have an Instagram page at Impaired Upstairs. Yes. We're I saw that. Some mm-hmm. we're somewhat active on that. I think I saw you were on Twitter as well. Technically we are on Twitter. I don't okay. think we've made any tweets. Uh, that the Twitter is at impaired up S T R S because Or is that the Snapchat? No, uh, I think it's both. Okay, it, that's the Snapchat what do you do and the with Twitter. Your impaired with your podcast Snapchat. Uh, just like post when we're oh, episodes stories. are going live. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and Cody manages that mostly. Um, so so yeah, mo- mostly the stories. Um, what else? What, what other platforms are our podcasts? Okay, on? so. Uh, no, we're not we on need TikTok. An Should TikTok. we get a TikTok? <laughs> that would be, be fun. so out of hand. <laughs> yeah, that would get wild. You need an impaired upstairs Venmo where fans can send <laughs> yeah. you money. Maybe uh, we're gonna work on that tonight. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We'll do a Venmo and we'll do a Patreon so that way you can just give us money if you if you want to. Um, uh, we you can we con- could probably con someone into that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can. Uh, oh. Listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, directly through our website. Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, um, Amazon Music, and actually Audible as well. So Amazon uh, automatically takes everything from Amazon Music and puts it on Audible. So if you ha- if, if you have a podcast that's on Amazon Music that you like, like to listen to, but you prefer the Audible format, you can listen on Audible as well. That's just a fun fact there. Nice feature. Yeah, exactly. Um, please reach out to us uh, if you have anything positive or negative to say. We've really appreciated everyone that's reached out to us so far. It's been, you know, we're we're getting we're getting feedback, and it's good and it's uh, exciting. You know, yeah, exactly. Some people have harsh things to say, but. <laughs> 
whatever hopefully all constructive (laughs) yeah we'd love to hear it regardless yeah exactly just like we'll we'll get back to you and uh, yeah uh another thing that's coming out is t-shirts so if 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 you want a t-shirt or a sweatshirt definitely hit us up um that's that's something that's in the works hopefully in the next couple weeks we'll have that um and i believe that our guests will be getting t-shirts we'll be getting merch um, yeah, as they're on the episode. So yeah, exactly. So you can wear your impaired upstairs T-shirt as you go about your business. Which means that I think a bunch of people are grandfathered in. We'll have to contact some people and get oh, them some shirts. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Is that how that's gonna work? I think we're up to eleven guests so far. It's only fair. So <laughs> you can have so, to order more shirts. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> eleven shirts out the door right away. Um, yeah, I think that just oh yeah, share it with your friends. This Please is, do. This is getting really drawn out here. If you're still listening, congratulations. <laughs> if, if you're still listening, uh, let us know, and I'll Venmo you a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw in fifty cents. Yeah, yeah. There you go. More interaction. Um, yeah. Sh- so share it with your friends. Uh, like it. Support like, support your local podcast. Yeah, exactly. You know, like uh, we put ra- we put a lot of work into this. Mostly Brady, but mm, you know, I, I, that's accurate. But that's okay. It is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Rate us on Amazon, on Apple Podcasts, and all that good stuff. Um, thanks for listening. We Thank you so much for it. listening. Um, so you know, when we're not out working, doing accountant things, making more episodes, we'll we'll be up here. Upstairs, impaired. impaired.